Right now in Australia, the state of Victoria is having their elections until 26 November. Victorians have been through some of the longest lockdowns, restrictions and mandates in the world, all because medical authorities would not allow proven natural prevention and treatment options to be used against COVID. Don't allow this to happen again. For freedom, prosperity and health, vote one for Dr. Isaac Golden and the Health Australia Party team. To find out more, listen to episode 126 of this podcast or visit www.healthaustraliaparty.com.au. Hello everyone, Eugenie here. Before I start, I just want to say a quick thank you for supporting me through these podcasts and um, yeah, coming along on this journey with me. Um, I thought I wanted to take a moment to thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen. I really appreciate it. So today's guest was a very special one and somebody who I really admire because even though she's been in this profession for almost 40 years, she still has a twinkle in her eye and speaks with such conviction and such passion. And I think we can all admire and look up to somebody who has been uh, in a job for 40 years and can still be so passionate about what she's doing. Uh, that's certainly something to admire. Now, our guest today is Dr. Judith reichenberg Ullman. She's a licensed naturopathic physician, board certified in homeopathy. She graduated from Bastyr University with a degree in naturopathic medicine in 1983, and she also graduated from the University of Washington with a master's in psychiatric social work in 1976. She's also the author of several books, uh, including Whole Woman Homeopathy, A Safe, Effective, Natural Alternative to Drugs, Hormones and Surgery. And she and her husband co-authored seven other books, including Prozac Free, Homeopathic Self-Care, The Quick and Easy Guide for the Whole Family, Ritalin Free Kids, Range Free Kids, and A Drug-Free Approach to Asperger's Syndrome and Autism. There's also The Patient's Guide to Homeopathic Medicine and Mystics, Masters, Saints, and Sages, Stories of Enlightenment. <clears throat> she has taught homeopathy internationally, and she practices at the Northwest Center for Homeopathic Medicine in the U.S. She treats many patients by phone and also video conference, as well as in person. And she and her husband lives in the Pacific Northwest in the United States and also in Pucon in Chile, South America. So please check out her details in the show notes if you would like to get in touch with her. And let's jump right into the interview. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout podcast, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, everyone, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangout. Today, we are hanging out with board-certified homeopath and author, Dr. Judith reichenberg Ullman. Welcome, Judith. Thank you. So lovely to have you on today, all the way from America. And um, I know you've been here in Perth before as well. So I have, lovely. so I have, I have a visual, yes. Yes. <laughs> well, we're just, if you visualize Perth, we're just up here in the hills in Stoneville. <laughs> so um, tell us, Judith, how did you get into homeopathy? It's been a long journey for you, hey? So how yeah, did you originally get into this? It has been a long journey. Um, <laughs> well, as many of the homeopaths of my era, uh, I got into homeopathy through yoga originally and through natural medicine and, uh, and also through being a psychiatric social worker because um, I had some really excellent experience and I worked in the ER of a public hospital here in Seattle. And I worked on the lock psychiatric ward. I worked in people's homes. I worked in nursing homes. I really had a lot of hardcore experience. And um, 
and it was pretty um, striking. It's funny because I can remember her. I was a, a vegetarian for about 18 years. I'm not now. And I can remember uh, heating up my, my very healthy vegetarian meals in the microwave in the cafeteria at the bottom of the hospital and then going up to face the, um, the very unhealthy environment of people being on a locked psychiatric ward, of people sometimes being restrained, of being given uh, very strong drugs, which in that, at that time caused uh, sometimes permanent side effects, like they would shuffle or they would have tics. Uh, it was horrifying. And it was so um, incongruous with how I was living my life at the time and with herbs and uh, fasting and vegetarianism and all of that. And so it, it was really um, around that time, I, I knew about um, uh, natural healing. I didn't really know anything about homeopathy at that time, except I had been to a naturopathic doctor when I moved to Seattle, Dr. Bestier, who, oh. uh, uh, you know, and he was uh, probably in his uh, late 70s, early 80s at the time. I'll never forget it. And I had moved up from New Mexico, and it was cold and wet, and I developed a cough, and uh, and I couldn't get rid of it. And I went to Dr. Bastier, who was just the most amazing man for, for whom my college was named after. And I can just remember he said, why, that's a Rumex cough. And I think he said it just like that. You know, and Rumex is, you know, is a remedy for a dry cough. And, well, he gave me Rumex. Cough got better, uh, you know, pretty much right away. So that stuck in my brain. And then a naturopathic college opened in Seattle. And so I went to the initial meeting before the college opened. And there were probably about 15 of us in the room. And I just got chills. And I just said, I'm doing this. You know, and I was a psychiatric social worker at that time. Good job. And I just said, this is my next step. And so it was in my first um, year in the spring of naturopathic medical school that someone came to give a lecture on homeopathy. And, uh, and we read Kent's lectures on homeopathy. And, and all I can say is I read that and it tied everything together for me. You know, it tied what I had observed in my mental health practice and my spiritual practice. It just, uh, the philosophy made so much sense. And I said, that's for me. And so I, um, the homeopathic training was not great at best here at the time. And, um, uh, and so I attended, that was also at the time when George Vithulkas was starting to teach. And so I was in that group. He would come to Seattle and we would sometimes go to California. And so there were a bunch of us in the seventies. And that was when the international foundation for homeopathy was really quite, uh, uh, you know, quite active. We would train people. I ended up being the president of that and organization. We trained a lot of people in homeopathy. And um, I, I, I was just sold. You know, the philosophy just made so much real sense to me. And then as things evolved, um, I studied with a lot of teachers. 
And then in 1993, I discovered my teacher who was Rajan Sankaran. And, uh, and so went over to India about nine times, I think, just to study with him, nine years in a row. And that completely changed my practice. Um, and, you know, to this day, I just have such conviction in homeopathy. You know, I, I, I know it works. We can't always find the right remedy, but we often can. And uh, I, I have such uh, faith from having been at this for almost 40 years. Um, and so... That, that helps, you know, it's very, uh, um, it really helps. You know, I speak from my truth. I don't speak from some, uh, some book that I read. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I had to laugh when you say that your introduction was with Rumex because nothing will convert a person to homeopathy like healing their cough. And, you know, coughs can be so annoying. The whole family is affected when somebody in the household has a cough and when you find that right remedy for them the cough can literally disappear in minutes I have that with my kids if they've had coughs you know it can go on for the day and then I hit the right remedy and then it's gone within minutes and um, you know it can be bring really bring a lot of relief to the whole household because everyone's affected with a cough especially well, that, really also, annoying cough. that also brings up uh, the idea you know some there's a misconception that some people have, that homeopathy is slow. Mm -hmm. And I think they have that misconception because they're not getting the right remedy. But I remember when I was a student, for example, there was a a little girl in uh, the student clinic who had, you know, sore throat, crying, typical pulsatilla. We gave her pulsatilla, and within five, six minutes, she was running around the clinic. And, uh, And as a matter of fact, I write for the Townsend Letter and have my husband and I have for years and years. And uh, I've, I'm writing an article uh, this evening on how quick homeopathy can be. And I'm using several cases that just happened uh, over the past uh, few weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also get annoyed when people say, oh, but homeopathy takes so long. And it's it's a tricky one because we have to be careful what we say because you can get those miraculous, almost instant cures with yeah. acute conditions, you know, a lot of the time. But sometimes it does take a little while to find the right remedy. But man, oh, for sure. Yeah. It, when you get that right one, it really can work within minutes. Absolutely. Yeah, there's, um, we, we live on the beach here in Washington uh, State and we have a golden retriever puppy. And so uh, this was about uh, two weeks ago, I would say. We were on the beach with her. And uh, and just at this time of year, we have jellyfish. And uh, and so we went for a walk, and she's all, she's adorable, and she's all excited and perky. And, and, then, uh, and then I looked back, and she was whimpering, and she couldn't move. And she was um, licking her paw. And, of course, I was really alarmed. We were about 10 minutes from home. And so I asked her, uh, my husband to pick her up. So he picked her up, and it gave me a little time to think because it took him about five minutes to walk her back. And she was just, you know, she was whimpering. And uh, so I pulled out my kit right away, and I gave her Arnica 30-nothing. And then I gave her Apis 30-nothing. And then I remembered 
that I had um, uh, I had heard a story uh, because I I'd been thinking about doing some open water swimming here, and I'd heard a story about a swimmer here who had bitten been bitten actually in the eye by one of the red jellyfish here, and it was really excruciating. And then I thought, didn't I ask Sandy, my office manager, to send me Medusa? And so I have a bigger kit, and I looked, and there was Medusa 1M. And uh, and so I gave our puppy Medusa pellets, and I swear it was instantaneous. You know, it was like not even two minutes, three minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I gave it to her, and and that was the end of her complaint. Wow. And can you tell our listeners what Medusa tablets are? Because a lot of them are going to be completely new to homeopathy and wondering, what is she talking about? <laughs> well, Medusa is made from jellyfish. Mm-hmm. And in homeopathy, like cures like. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so I knew, uh, I had a, a, a hope, because I was really afraid at that time. Mm-hmm. I had a hope that if I just really matched her condition with the right remedy, Mm-hmm. that uh, that there would be a response. I didn't know it would be absolutely immediate, but mm-hmm. that's what Medusa is, and it would be a very... I'm not saying that it's going to work in Australia for box jellyfish. Mm-hmm. And there is, I believe, a remedy made from box jellyfish. It's not something I've ever had to use. Whether how, its effectiveness, I can't say. You know, I mm-hmm. know how, how lethal box jellyfish are. But these... Uh, yeah, you know, I, I had had another dog in the past, a golden retriever, who almost died from salmon poisoning. So I knew how important it is to act quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's actually interesting when you were saying that you used apis, I thought you were going to say that works because apis is normally such a good remedy exactly for that. And um, I have a similar story with my son that was bitten by a white-tailed spider. And we used I used Ledum initially, and then I used Apis, and it didn't do anything. And then once I got the remedy made from the white-tailed spider, it was instantaneous. And white-tailed spider obviously can be very deadly as well. And um, so, well, probably, you know, in severe cases, deadly, but definitely can cause a lot of infection and cause a lot of serious harm to the person. But you know, within maybe an hour or two, the swelling was completely gone. So sometimes it, you just have to get that right remedy to see that magic, hey? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, and, you- and in this case, you know, I'm sure it wasn't. This, the, the uh, jellyfish are lion's mane jellyfish. That's what they're called. And uh, they're pinkish red. And I didn't look up to see the source of the medusa. You know, probably wasn't, you know, a, a lion's mane medusa, but it was close enough that it had an instantaneous response. Absolutely, and that's all you need. <laughs> so, um, Judith, you have written several books and co-authored some with your husband, and there's some um, books for home prescribers and books on, you know, all, all sorts, basically. Can yes. I leave the floor to you and you can tell our listeners about the books you've written and maybe what inspired you to write them? Sure. Um well, the, the first book that we wrote, uh, we used to give a free talk once a month in our clinic to patients and anybody else they wanted to bring. And, uh, and I graduated in 83, so this is in the, uh, the mid-80s that we started this. And, uh, and then we decided to turn that, um, uh, you know, that into uh, a book called The Patient's Guide to Homeopathic Medicine. For those um, aspiring writers out there. This is just kind of uh, interesting. So that first book, we sent it out to maybe about 15 homeopaths, and it was totally panned. 
Okay, that mean what that means is they thought it was terrible, and they said, um, "Oh, it's way too long," which it was. And uh, and then there was one. There was an editor from New York who said to us, "You don't know how to write." So anyway, I'm just saying this. Anybody out there who wants to write, don't listen to any of that, because you know we've written nine books. They've changed our entire life. They've they've really affected lots of people because I still hear about it. And um, so uh, so in any case, that was our first book, and uh, it was just small, and it really told people how homeopathy works, what to expect, that type of thing. Uh, and this was the homeopathy we were practicing at that time. Uh, and then uh, the next book that we wrote, it was in the just at the beginning of the Ritalin era, okay? And so um, we started seeing all of a sudden, I would say, all of these kids who were diagnosed with ADD. I mean, it was almost overnight. And they were mm. all coming in on Ritalin. And, uh, and Seattle is, uh, you know, pretty, uh, pretty um, avant-garde. So, you know, it was one of the first places. Seattle is probably much more now than it was very techie. And so there are a lot of techies and, you know, now techies kids and that kind of thing. And so um, Ritalin Free Kids, and that is what I would say changed our lives. And, uh, and as a matter of fact, when we taught in Perth, because we did teach three seminars in Australia, uh, and, and we taught in Auckland as well, and when we taught uh, there, uh, we were told that at the time that Perth had the highest incidence of ADD in Australia. And, uh, and so from there, uh, we, we saw many, many people from... We did lots of phone consultations because people didn't want to go to Seattle. This was before Skype and led into Skype and Zoom and all of that. And then, and then we started seeing uh, a lot of kids. When you see this population, you also see a lot of kids with oppositional defiant, defiant disorder, with learning issues, learning disabilities, and on the autism spectrum. And this was uh, early on as far as the autism spectrum, I would say. And, uh, and so we wrote books on all those subjects. We wrote a book on homeopathic treatment of depression and anxiety. And, um, you know, and, and then I did write a book, which I still love, this book. We, we wrote it together. And um, Homeopathic Self-Care, The Quick and Easy Guide for the Whole Family. And I recommend that for any parent. We wrote it for parents. It is really easy to use. It's got lots of icons and it's got lots of charts and uh, very, I, I promise, you know, very helpful. And then it had a kit. And, uh, and that kit, we sold, you know, tens of thousands of that book. And uh, the kit was available until COVID. Mm -hmm. And uh, the manufacturer wouldn't make it anymore. And uh, we immediately, in COVID, at the very beginning of the pandemic, we sold out of all of our kits, and we can't have any more made. So that was unfortunate. And then, um, and then we uh, have traveled all over because uh, we love to travel. And so we wrote a book called The Savvy Traveler's Guide to Homeopathy and Natural Medicine, and that also went with the kits.
It was Beautiful. like a mini version, and it also told people lots of natural, naturopathic, and other um, tips to do while they were traveling, in addition to homeopathy. Mm. Sounds like a one-stop shop if you're going traveling. <laughs> yeah, it is a one-stop shop. And, yeah. uh, and then we wrote one book on enlightenment. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mystics, Masters, Saints, and Sages, Stories of Enlightenment. And um, uh, I still love that book. And as a matter of fact, we were contacted about two weeks ago from a professor in Denmark who said he was reading that book for the second time and he'd really love to talk to us and ask us some questions about it. Aww. So we're, we're doing a Skype or Zoom uh, mm-hmm. on Saturday morning with this mm-hmm. professor in Denmark. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just, I mean, you know, when you write books, you have no, and the books led to lots of seminars all over. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love to go to different places and reach out and meet the people. You know, it's, it's, um, because when you write books, you, you don't have that personal, like, meeting people. Mm-hmm. Um, just a little bit of an offbeat question. Yeah. But interestingly, you know, um, Amy Lansky that wrote Impossible Cure, she was an ex-NASA scientist. And I always love using her example because you can't get, you know, more sort of mainstream than a NASA scientist who then ends up writing on homeopathy and then ends up writing on sort of mysticism and synchronicity and that sort of thing. And, you know, you guys have also done this thing where you're writing about mysticism like what is it about homeopathy do you think that leads people to question the bigger picture well for one thing homeopathy is based on the vital force Mm -hmm. i mean that's number one and Mm -hmm. so it's what is the vital force you know the defense mechanism is only a scientific um interpretation pretty dry, actually, immune mm-hmm. system, defense system. But we're talking about, um, we're talking about the healing power uh, of, uh, you know, of the individual, of the mm-hmm. planet. This is, uh, you know, the vital force. Mm-hmm. So uh, how would you describe the vital force to our listeners that don't know much about homeopathy? Well, people call it different things. They prana or or mana, or chi, or ki, or, you know, it's the, um, the animating principle that pervades each of us, any uh, living uh, sentient being, and pervades everything, because there are, myself included, many people who believe that rocks, and certainly plants, that they're all sentient beings. Mm. And, uh, and so this is the life force that many, many philosophies have talked about through the ages that, that pervades all of it and mm-hmm. the air and the sky. And, and that's what we're talking about with homeopathy. Mm-hmm. It's, um, uh, and that's why the principles of homeopathy, um, it's so different than, it, it's very, very uh, different than giving something that suppresses the immune system mm. or giving something that's an anti, mm. you know, antibiotic, anti-inflammatory, et cetera, et cetera, antifungal. We're not anti, we're pro. Mm. And so uh, I think that those, all of us homeopaths, I hope, have an inherent, fundamental, unshakable belief mm. 
in that vital force and in the intelligence of the organism. You know, Mm. I think that somehow along the way, uh, conventional medicine has lost sight of the inherent healing ability Mm. and the inherent um, brilliance, not just intelligence, but brilliance of Mm. this vital force. There There was a book decades ago called The Science of Homeopathy by George Fethulkas. You know, that was written, uh, you know, in my really, really early days of studying homeopathy. And he warned, he said that there's something that, you know, that the more suppression that occurs and the more that that um, iatrogenic illness were illness caused by medical intervention and caused by drugs, he warned that this was going to be a bigger and bigger problem. Mm. And sometimes uh, now, decades later, I think back on how much wisdom there was in that book. Mm. It's interesting. You know, it, it was funny. As a homeopath, we learn to obviously observe the person, how they're speaking and, you know, mannerisms and the words they use. And I, my heart just lit up when, you know, you've been doing this for almost 40 years. But when you spoke about when you said the principles of homeopathy, your whole face lit up. And it's mm. amazing that even 40 years later, you're so inspired by this. I only have 10 years under my belt, but there's not a day that I don't feel inspired by homeopathy. <laughs> no, I, I really feel that way as well. And, mm. uh, and then for me, learning this sensation method of homeopathy, when we mm. learned uh, way back when, we learned Oh, about 30, 35 remedies. That was the polycrest, and, um, which is the most common, commonly prescribed at that time, remedies in homeopathy. And we just learned one remedy at a time. We didn't learn anything about systems or families or kingdoms. or um, And um, it just wasn't like, uh, you know, the results of homeopathy were really inspiring. But I can't say the teaching at that time was really inspiring. <laughs> and now there's over 8,000 remedies. And uh, homeopathic uh, medicines can be made from anything in nature. And, uh, oh, when I think of all the amazing, so many of the amazing cases that I have and how mm. the patients just describe uh, mm. the, you know, the substance in nature. If they might need butterfly, you know, they... Uh, there, there's this one patient, um, oh, it was a couple of years ago, and uh, I can't remember what her main complaint was, but she she started talking about the chrysalis and the cocoon. I think it was the cocoon. And I started thinking of butterfly. And then simultaneous, you know, just minutes after that, uh, well, tell me about your childhood. Well, I loved butterflies, <laughs> but I couldn't bear... The reason I gave up catching butterflies is I couldn't bear to kill them and mount them. Mm. And uh, and she indeed very clearly needed homeopathic butterfly. Mm-hmm. And so um, uh, really any substance in nature can be made into a homeopathic remedy. Mm-hmm. And it's just uh, quite amazing to find that, um, that one remedy which corresponds mm-hmm. To the person, it's um, and then and then there for me. There's a magic in the moment, uh, the first uh, few moments of the first follow-up, especially, mm-hmm. especially when it's so clear that the remedy, you know, that the remedy uh, was such and such. Well, you know, 
tell me what happened. And then they start recounting. And uh, that's just so wonderful. It is so wonderful. Um, I'm wondering, Judith, can you share some cases with us from your clinic? Are there any particular um, conditions that you particularly like treating? What sort of things do you see? Maybe also, sorry for the long question, but how has things changed in your clinic over the past 40 years? I mean, are you seeing more of something, more of something in particular? Has it changed over the years? So, sorry for well, the question. Well, it's changed <laughs> for me because, you know, um, uh, now I uh, – well, I see, of course, many, many children, you know, uh, with a variety of behavioral and learning problems. I, I probably see fewer young women, you know, more uh, older women, just older people in general. And, uh, uh, and, and of course, um, a general practice. So uh, where should I begin? Well, I'll just uh, – uh, here's a case of uh, – that comes from Riddle and Free Kids, and this was a 16-year-old uh, teenager, and uh, we called her a teenager on the go, go, go. And she was referred to us by her family practice physician, and she had a five-year history of ADHD. She also had a family history of hyperactivity and of uh, bipolar disorder. And as early as kindergarten, she was sent out of the class for talking too much, by sixth grade, she was prescribed Ritalin, and without her Ritalin, she couldn't focus. She was very distracted, noise, movement, uh, conversations. She couldn't concentrate when she took tests. She would um, talk without listening. You know, she would just, um, uh, or she would find herself staring into space mid-sentence. And no matter how much she told herself to be quiet, she could not sit still and uh, and often had very little awareness of how she affected other people. She basically had a reputation among her friends, and I'm sure among her teachers, of being loud, immature, and uh, not very with it. And uh, while driving, she often daydreamed and became confused when she would see a car in the other lane. She was just learning to drive as if she didn't believe that it was happening. Antsy, fidgety, things that we uh, hear so much with kids with ADD. Uh, Fiddling, uh, clicking her nails against her teeth, tapping her fingers, uh, pent-up energy, really the classic picture of attention deficit disorder. Ritalin gave her hives, and it made her feel like she didn't know herself. And it didn't help her procrastination, It didn't help her asking what people perceived as dumb questions. Uh, Although she was very smart and her GPA was 3.8. Homeopaths, uh, we homeopaths uh, ask all kinds of things. So, you know, we want to know about the physical uh, condition of the person. We want to know about the state of the mom during the pregnancy. We want to know about the dreams and fears, etc. And we want to know what people like to eat. So this young woman had a passion for pickles, and she would eat them straight out of the jar. She loved to suck on ice, and as an aside, her fingers and toes would get very, very cold when she skied. So that fits, all of that put together fits a picture of a remedy, which is a plant remedy in homeopathy, and it's called Veratrum Album, White Hellebore, 
and it's a really good uh, remedy for wired, overamped, hurried kids who are on the move. And uh, there's also, it didn't come out so much in this case, but they usually have a very um, high self-image. They, uh, they think a lot of themselves. They think that they're very bright, and they can often be too much for other people. Their energy oozes out around the edges. Okay? So we, at, at, we gave her just a single dose of the Veratrum album. And, uh, and so this is really typical for the kind of, of child that I just described. At the time of her next appointment, she was very happy with her progress. So were her parents. She had informed her psychiatrist that she wanted to discontinue the Ritalin before taking the homeopathic remedy, which is ideal. When she came for her follow-up visit, she found our parking lot without directions. And before she could only accomplish that with Ritalin, you have to realize this was before um, GPS in your phone. Mm-hmm. Okay. And her grades had improved in contrast to when she tried to stop Ritalin before her, she had gotten Fs in all of her classes. And her parents reported that her behavior drastically improved. Now, um, you don't always see this dramatic an improvement right away, but you should, uh, in order for it to be the right homeopathic remedy, at that first follow-up, I do want to hear she's very different. Mm. there's been a big difference. Um, Her friends said she wasn't as crazy as before. She had a much greater sense of control. And uh, people who need Veratrum can be huggy and pokey and and in other people's space. She no longer did that. Her leg wasn't moving all the time. And and her desire for pickles went down. (laughs) Uh, And as her treatment progressed... She was able to notice when she was feeling uh, that hyperactivity, and uh, she could also tell herself to relax. Mm. Uh, oh, th- this is, uh, I'll just tell you one other case like yes, this. Yes, please. This is the didgeridoo kid from Down Under. <laughs> okay. Uh, and so this was a child uh, from Australia who was brought to us when she was 22 months old, and uh, they came to the U.S. because her father was a musician, and uh, uh, he had come on a didgeridoo concert tour, and the family came with him. And this kid was was really wired. She had not gotten one good night's sleep since birth, and neither had her parents. And she would wake in the middle of the night, distressed, disoriented. And she was only 22 months when she was brought to see me. And she would wake repeatedly. She was hyper-energetic, a frenzy every night. She was very willful. uh, And um, it was very nerve-wracking to travel with her. And this was difficult because her father was a traveling entertainer, a didgeridoo player. And she would scream inconsolably at the top of her lungs. And she did this during the interview as well. And uh, she loved people. She walked at nine months. She ran at 10. She was a climber. Uh, She loved playing with animals, putting on her mom's lipstick. She squirmed. She danced, etc. And she happened to have uh, an unusual skin condition, especially for a child, 
called dermatomyositis. So I gave her one dose of homeopathic tarantula. Now this is an animal remedy. So you can see the first one was a plant remedy, veratrum, hellebore. This is an animal remedy. And it's made from the Spanish spider. And it's for hyperactive, overactive kids. They're lively. They love to dance. And, uh, and they like to be the center of attention. They're often afraid of spiders. They climb like spiders. And, uh, and her mom called from Australia five weeks later to say she had no further tantrums or moodiness, just the odd two-year-old stuff. And um, I could go on and on. She was more easily entertained, easier for her to sit in the car, and her teeth grinding was 90% better. And, um, and her mother said, looks like Miss Spider is working. <laughs> so, um, I mean, these are just two cases out of thousands and thousands. Mm-hmm. But it's just it shows you something about the different substances which can be used. In the natural kingdom. I'm wondering if you could maybe speak to our listeners a little bit about depression and anxiety, because with COVID and lockdowns and people losing their jobs and, uh, you know, forced vaccinations at the moment in a lot of countries and, you know, yeah. so many of our rights being taken away, the cases of depression and anxiety that I think we're all seeing in the clinic is skyrocketing. Um, you know, how can homeopathy help and what sort of things have you seen and do you maybe have a case to share? Yeah. Yeah, um, I gave a presentation um, in um, at the uh, the joint conference of um, of um, the National Center for Homeopathy, and um, you know it, it was it was uh, last April, and uh, and it was all my presentation was all about the bewilderment of the pandemic, uh, the bewilderment that people are feeling and the social isolation. That people are feeling, and it was really a very powerful presentation. It was um, I did a lot of uh, visuals uh, showing. Um, well, for one thing, uh, you know when the the flamingos reappeared in Mumbai in the beaches, for example, or when the pumas came back into the streets of Santiago. So, and and I showed a number of pictures which were very stark. Uh, you know, of people uh, feeling profound isolation and loneliness. And um, and I presented two cases. And one case was this person who, um, and I just talked to him the other day, he's really doing beautifully. He is very, very idealistic. And uh, many, many years ago, uh, I actually treated him uh, for being on the spectrum. He's uh, completely out of that, and um, and he just has this this vision of a really beautiful world with everybody getting along with each other, and um, and this was so profoundly different. And he ended up being separated from those who he's very close from his friends, and. Um, and he talked about being, there was a certain sense of, um, of not just bewilderment, but disorientation and separation. And, um, and so the, the remedy that he needed was cannabis indica, which is, um, 
it's it's the same remedy as marijuana. And the mm-hmm. drug remedies in homeopathy, on the one side, there is profound um, loneliness and separation. This is pretty much in all the drug remedies. And then what people are seeking is that euphoria and mm-hmm. that oneness with the universe. And... Um, and so he uh, he just wanted a very beautiful world, and he was very very much missing his very close friends, and um, uh, and so the the cannabis indica in a homeopathic form completely turned him around. And when I just talked to him the other day, this was pretty profound. He said, "You know, it's interesting. The pandemic for me has been healing." Because it's really shown me what's most important to me. And and then I presented another case, which was cannabis sativa, which was very, very similar. Again, somebody who, from the very beginning, felt a profound sense of loneliness. And um, so so that's just one remedy, but um, it's, uh, it's a very, very distressing time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think both acutely and uh, and constitutionally, people have sought out homeopathy more than ever before, mm-hmm. and I I think it's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. I closed my books a few months ago because I'm completely at capacity. I can't take anyone else on, and then I got another homeopath and then a second one to come and join me, and they are so fully booked as well. So we need some more homeopaths <laughs> to come join our team. But yeah, um, it certainly feels like a lot of people are seeking out homeopathy. Um, they are. That was one mm. thing that happened at the very beginning of the pandemic, and I think originally it was because they could self-treat. Mm-hmm. It's because, um, you know, there were a number of remedies that they could just get out of kits, even mm-hmm. if they might be low-potency remedies. And then homeopaths started doing webinars about the pandemic, mm-hmm. sharing their cases and establishing a database. And uh, and I think the consensus, whether it's homeopathy in, um, you know, in the U.K. or... Uh, in Iran or Italy or in Israel or the U.S., very, very few people have been hospitalized mm-hmm. when they're treated at the very, very beginning. And mm-hmm. uh, and this, of course, combined with immune support and whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, it was really beautiful how the homeopaths banded together and how, like I say, our kits were sold out immediately. I was going to ask you about that. I think it was your uh, podcast interview with Kelly Callahan, who we've also had on, where you were saying about the kits selling out. What is the deal with the pharmacies not being able to sell kits over there? What? Oh, you mean our kits? Yeah. Well, what happened with our kits is the uh, part of it was Amazon, and mm-hmm. it was uh, very difficult. The configuration of Amazon really mm-hmm. made us... Uh, not be nearly as visible. Mm. And the manufacturer who was manufacturing our kits for over 20 years, maybe 30 years, said, we're not going to manufacture anybody else's kits anymore. And we sought out other people to do so. And I think there was one place who maybe could have done it who would have charged a fortune for just doing a template all over again. 
uh, you know, and then there was the FDA compliance and everything. Mm. But um, so you can still get kits in America. You can still get, get kits. I think some of the best kits are from Hahnemann and Helios, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, you can. I I think still get kits. I don't know how easy they are to mm-hmm. find. You know, for a while the homeopathic pharmacies were so backed up. You know, mm-hmm. they um, for I, I think, uh, and not just in the U.S. But um, so it's it's been it's been challenging. Mm-hmm. It's not the way it was before. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe just a quick rundown as well of what the scene of homeopathy is like in America. Didn't most people know what it is? Is it well accepted or? Do most people know what it is? No, no, no. <laughs> Certainly most people do not know I was being sarcastic. <laughs> Nobody in Australia, well, hardly anyone knows here no. either. I mean, even if you ask somebody, have you ever heard of Arnica? Maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I mean, naturopathic medicine, it went from uh, when I started the attending school in Seattle, from nobody having heard of it, hardly, to um, best here became a very, you know, very well-known institution here. And so that really changed. But uh, homeopathy strains the, uh, it really strains people's beliefs. Mm-hmm. And um, what can you say? You know, the, the, the proof of the pudding is in the eating or the proof's in the pudding, whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. It... Um, you know, all you have to do is take Arnica. All you have to do is take the correctly prescribed homeopathic remedy. Um, I had, uh, I guess this is, I was going to uh, write this up. So um, uh, a really good friend contacted me and, uh, and she said, um, I've got shingles. And she had been embarrassed to call me because... Um, uh, she, um, I don't know why, you know, but, um, and she tried acupuncture and the acupuncture said, call Judith. <laughs> and so it, uh, one of the most common remedies for shingles and shingles, you know, is a type of herpes. It's painful. It's, you know, uh, the nerve dermatome, dermatomes, and it hurts. It's quite painful. And, uh, she needed ranunculus bulbosa you know, buttercup. Mm-hmm. And uh, she took that. She had quite an aggravation. So almost immediately she had, you know, a great intensification of her pain that lasted, I believe, about a day, if I remember right. And then it went away. Amazing. So, I mean, if people can, uh, and that's not even talking about first aid. You know, the other, this was uh, about four days ago, five days ago, I was canning. Because I love to can, and this is the time when we get plums and and uh, apples and everything like that. And so I picked up a canning jar, and the bottom of the can it broke, and the bottom of the canning jar fell out, and I cut myself on a sharp, jagged edge of glass, and I went oh, and it was in, on my finger, and I could see. This could be bad. I mean, I didn't know if I had cut um, a vessel. Uh, it wasn't like gushing, but the blood was steadily coming out. And mm-hmm. so I just took, I think it was one M of Arnica that I took, and I just put a Band-Aid on it and uh, never thought about it again. Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, homeopathy is amazing. It's amazing. I had my son bash open his eyebrow when he was 18 months old in a coffee table versus toddler incident. Coffee table one, toddler zero. (laughs) And, um, yeah, you know, it was actually funny. My handbag was close by with the remedy in it. So I grabbed my son, grabbed the remedy, threw the arnica in his mouth. And, you know, head wounds can bleed quite a lot. And that blood stopped instantaneously. Like nobody can tell me anything about placebo. I saw my son's eye, eyebrow gushing blood. I gave him Arnica. It stopped. You will never convince me otherwise that homeopathy isn't amazing. So, That's like the instantaneous yeah. effect of Medusa. Although mm-hmm. I couldn't see the blood gushing like you're talking mm-hmm. about. But um, it's. Uh, I, I just mm-hmm. feel like... Oh, it might be a hard sell, but at least mm-hmm. there are a lot of us who uh, who have known about it and have mm-hmm. kn- you know for a long time and have used it and mm-hmm. and uh, healed ourselves and others. Mm-hmm. I think in this case with my son, the Arnica actually worked a bit too well because we went to um, the A&E, the emergency center, to get it stitched up because it was really deep and there was no amount of you know that's why I always say we need the, the we need the uh, orthodox medication medical system alongside the homeopathy because no amount of homeopathy was going to heal that wound even a steri strip wasn't going to do it it was Uh very deep he had to go for stitches Uh and um but the arnica worked so well with taking the pain away and relaxing him that he was moving furniture around in the waiting area so they kept on leaving us because they're like well obviously this kid isn't like in that much pain and then it was midnight and they were like oh no you can just bring him back tomorrow i was like no i cannot come back tomorrow you need to do him today and they're like oh well he's so happy and I'm like no you need to do it now so about 1 a.m they finally stitch up his eyebrow and I mean this happened at about 5 6 p.m but um yeah Arnica actually worked a bit too well in that case <laughs> I was thinking afterwards I should have like pinched him to make him cry or something but he was so happy and you know he had this huge wound on his head but um yeah he was that's yeah, a great doing so well. story <laughs> yeah, yeah and it's you know it can be so instantaneous mm, absolutely yeah I'm wondering, Judith, uh, I'd like to finish off before I ask how people can get hold of you. Okay. Just a little bit of fun. Your oh. top three homeopathic remedies for yourself and why? What do you mean for myself? For yourself. So what's your three favorite remedies and why? And I should probably clarify, like for you acutely, like what, what's your three, three top remedies that you would use in the home? Well, um, okay, well... Uh, <laughs> You know, bladder infections are horrible for women, mm-hmm. and so we were we were um, flying from Chile to uh, Prague to give a homeopathic seminar. This is only maybe three years ago, and uh, and uh, through Madrid, and went to the bathroom in Madrid, and I was peeing solid blood, and it was really painful. That had never happened to me before. So I did reach for my, in my kit, and I took Cantharis, mm-hmm. and I kept taking Cantharis, kept drinking a lot of water, and it completely went away. I didn't need to, to do anything else. And Cantharis, I would say, also, I can remember, you know, I uh, went to a co-op, and I was serving myself some soup, and somebody saw it, and I really scalded myself. And... Um, and, uh, and so uh, at, I was checking out and the person said, how's your burn? And I said, burn? And uh, she said, yeah, I saw you at the entrance of the store and I saw what happened. And I said, oh, I went out to get my kit 
And that was the end of that. And then uh, I'm cheating, but I'm giving you three Canthera stories. And, <laughs> okay. and, and then um, my husband, many years ago, got a call from a patient and a child that he treated. And she sat on a wood stove. And it was excruciating, as you can imagine. And uh, he told the parents to give Cantheras. And it worked almost immediately. Amazing. So those are my those are three Cantheras stories because it's such a uh, it's used for such painful conditions. Mm. And when you need it, you need it. I I definitely have a few good Cantharis burn stories as well, where I've burned my hand and my husband's burned himself. And Cantharis just takes that sting away within under a minute. I just remember oh, burning yeah. myself on the stove and then just that intense burning pain and taking the Cantharis and feeling that pain dissipate in under a minute. I would say under 30 seconds. It was amazing. Well, and if you can imagine, you know, peeing solid blood. Wow, you know, I can't like, imagine oh, that. Oh, <laughs> no. You know, going to a seminar and having to get back on the plane oh. and painful. You know, the bladder mm. infections can be really painful. And just, mm-hmm. um, you know, almost immediately. Yeah, amazing. So, Judith, how can people get hold of you and your work and your books and all the other good stuff? Okay, well, I have a website, which is healthyhomeopathy.com, and all the information is there. Or you can email me, dr, my name, Dr. Reichenberg, R-E-I-C-H-E-N-B-E-R-G, at gmail.com. So those are two really easy ways to get a hold of me and I'm very good about responding by email Mm -hmm. and I've seen you've got all your books on your website for people to purchase but I'm guessing they can also get it in other places oh yeah totally yeah Mm -hmm. you can get it in Australia you can get them in in other places for sure excellent wonderful Mm -hmm. it was so fun to have you on today I've been looking forward to our chat for a little while now and um, thank you so much for sharing so generously with your time I know it's getting a bit later in the evening where you are um it was very fun chatting with you thank you so much thank you so much and I just uh hope that uh, let's keep homeopathy more and more alive all the time absolutely thank you you're welcome